I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Welcome to the latest edition of 100, The Ed Gordon Podcast. Today, a conversation with comedian Earthquake. The veteran comic is a familiar face to many African-American audiences. He's had a long stand-up career, appeared in some films and television shows, and is often spoken with reverence by other comics. Unlike some of his contemporaries, mass appeal has eluded the D.C. native, but his recent Netflix special, produced by Dave Chappelle, may change that. Here's a clip. One morning, Earthquake deals in adult language, if you know what I mean. I wish one of my kids would tell me I'm not a great-ass father. I only got one question for him, period. If I'm not a great father, who are you comparing me to? Who this mythological black man you think gonna make the sacrifices I did and all this for you like I did? Take you to all these activities, go to your basketball game, be there for three hours, and your ass don't even get in the game. <laughs> me and you sitting on the bench. You could have FaceTime me this bullsh sitting over there like you assistant coaching sh. Since we comparing, you ain't a good ass child. Almost lost my job with your ass. These kids. These ain't jokes. One of the things I've always said about you is. I didn't think that you got your just dues. You you remind me of what people call a singer singer and you're a comics comic. You know, you always had fans, but you hadn't reached a certain plateau that others had. But comics always mentioned you when they talked about the funniest cats out there. Tell me how this has felt for you over the last you know few weeks since the special has hit. Um, be honest with you, Ed. Um, validation to the point that I was getting distribution. You know what I mean? You can you um, being the funniest dude on the show with all other great peoples, and never resonated into anything bigger than just being the funniest dude at the live performance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, when are they ever going to get to the ease? when they passing out opportunities, they keep skipping me over. Like you in a DMV, they call, you know, B4 and you're like, all right, see, you know, they get the E. Then you, they go to J, you're like, hey, I know E coming for J, what the hell? (laughs) So, you know, um, when I got the call from Dave, I knew the significance of the opportunity. Chappelle opens the special by giving respect to the veteran comedian. He talked about how he always admired Earthquake. It was an example of the comedic connection that exists among a group of black comics that seem to have formed a brotherhood. Talk to me about those early days and how you would help young comics yourself. 
Well, you know, you just, you can only you can only help or supply your partners with the platform you have. You know what I mean? So, because we have gatekeepers, because mm-hmm. we're dealing with something that's that is subjective. What's funny to one person not be funny to another. You know, especially when you have gatekeepers that aren't black, aren't us, they don't get us. So they rather, it's, it's a human nature, they rather give an opportunity for some person they recognize with than some person they hear about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to have someone like Dave and the rest of them get to that point that they respect their opinion and able, they will allow you on their level and tell the people, yeah, you love me, but this is who you should see. Now, what's this comedians, the true ones, understands what I'm saying that I always tell comedians, there's nothing different than me or you. The comedian that quote, quote, made it is an opportunity that they cashed in on. Mm-hmm. It's just it. And, um, you just got to keep striving until you get that opportunity. That's why we have a brotherhood because we know I might not be better than you or I might, you might be better than me. I got an opportunity. I cashed in on it. And that's why you're there. Only the comedians that get upset or hate on the other ones that make it is the ones that really, to me, is, is scorn and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? to the point that they over here just upset with another comic. But most of us together understand you finally got a chance up the bat, you hit it out, and we're glad, we're, we're happy for you because all of us want that shot. When you talk about the kind of comedian you are, and maybe you don't like labels, people love to put labels on it. You know, they're political comics, they're observational comics, they're comics that comes solely, I think, about Cosby in his early days played off of the personal and the family and the like. What would you consider yourself? I do it all. I, mm-hmm. If you watch my special, I, mm-hmm. I'm able to, I, I, it reminds me back in the day, I'm able to give you some medicine with some candy in front of it. Mm-hmm. Now your mother used to put candy in front of the medicine and on the tablespoon to give it to you something good so you taste that first. That's more what I am. I'm quicker. I don't, it don't take me a long time to get to a point. I don't elaborate on a point long. I move on. Um, I am the comedian's comedian because I do it totally different than any of my peers. Yeah, I noted that uh, in the special, you know, you you talk about what I sometimes consider traditional comedy to to us, right? You got those last, but then you shifted over to Trump. There are a lot of people that either would have stayed in that lane with the traditional, quote unquote, black comedy, but wouldn't have touched political stuff or vice versa. Right. So you've been able right. to, you know, be that cat. Uh, what I loved is you went back home to D.C. Um, and it was very clear <laughs> at the end which side of D.C. you from. And those of us who lived in D.C. understand that. man. But give me a sense of what D.C. meant to you. You know, I'm always interested in where people come from and how it shapes you. Right. So I'm I'm from Detroit. So that is a big part of who I am. Talk to me about what D.C was and is to you the forgotten area you know what i mean we have our own music that hasn't uh, has not the plateau go go outside of dc nobody listened to it but we in our own world some of the great 
people in the world, man. Black people, mm -hmm. our people. Uh, we love, we have our little niche. We love uh, wings with mumbo sauce, carry out, <laughs> crabs, you know what I'm saying? Uh, our go-go music. Uh, we was the first one to fall in love with the Clyde Storm because we came and came from us, Maryland. Love our women, loving, cookouts. Just everything that goes symbolic with being black, you find it in D.C. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And the reason I did Southeast because I and wanted to let them know is just this is where I'm from. We have some of the most, if not talented, people coming from that area. And they need to be recognized, especially for our youth. That is other things you can do. You can be, where you come from don't determine where you're going. And that's more than anything. Let me ask you this, man. Were you always funny? So people don't believe this because they have a certain impression of who I am. I was two votes away from class clown in high school. I still hate that I did not get that title. Two votes I lost the damn title in high school. But nobody thinks I would ever be that way because of the persona I have on the air. Were you always funny? No. My funniest person in my family is... Uh... Are my brothers, and we all are funny. I have a funny family, but the funniest one is Tyrone, but he don't know how to put it together mm. <laughs> and, and make a set out of it. And I won't teach him. But no, I mean, <laughs> I was the dude, I was an observationist. I was more like you. I was the smart kid. I was in upper bound program in the ninth grade, and they was going to send me to Georgetown to go to college early. Mm. I was that dude. I was into computers in the whole night. Comedy came for me was just the best decision that day and nothing else came. I never knew it was going to be my destiny. I never knew it was my purpose. I, that's the reason my name is Earthquake, because um, I said, if this don't work, I don't even want to mess up my good name. <laughs> 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 if, I, if it didn't come to fruition and it make up something, I can go back being Nathaniel Strongman. That, that's, that's funny because I didn't know until recently that you were in the military. Yeah. You were Air Force. Well, I'm very practical and calculated. I mean, I said, you know, I live with a mother that fussed all the time, argued <laughs> very strict. And I said, well, might as well join the military. They strict and they fuss at you, but at least they give you a check. <laughs> so <laughs> she ain't giving no money. And it was a great place to see the world. And I tell people all the time, get you any job that you you prescribe or you want to do. They have it in the military. And it give you a chance to see the world, get educated, until it's a, it's a time that you decide what you really want to do. Their commercial is a, is a great, great commercial. That they, it's a great place to start, mm -hmm. to start. And I started there. I did nine years. And it, it was the best experience because coming from D.C., and it's so segregated of our own, I actually got to see the world consist of a lot of people. And not that only is a lot of people. We all do the same thing. We just do it a different way. So we have more in common. So it changed my whole perspective on people itself and preferably and mostly Caucasian people because I got to interact with them and say, okay, they're just people. When we get back, Earthquake talks about the growth of, quote, black comedy. And what does he really think about the explosion of social media comedians? 
you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A recent documentary, Fat Tuesday, tells the story of how comedian Guy Tory broke through to give black comedians a space at an iconic comedy club in Los Angeles back in the 1990s. Some of those comedians saw their visibility and opportunities in the comedy field grow. However, most continued to play to majority black audiences and larger fame and bigger paydays eluded them. For years, Hollywood seemed to allow only a couple of black comedians at a time to climb to the highest rungs of the comedy ladder. Bill Cosby, Richard Pryor, Whoopi Goldberg, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, Kevin Hart, Dave Chappelle. I wondered if Earthquake sees today's environment allowing for greater room at the top for more than just one funny black person. Well, it does because you have more platforms, but you got to understand those comments that you read, they went through white clubs. Mm-hmm. See, it's a different thing. We, my, the Bruce Bruce, the Arnest Jays, the, uh, um, my man, uh, Don D.C. Curry, we, mm-hmm. we entertain our people. So it's the high-end shitless circuit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Though we in white establishment, clientele is black. Mm-hmm. But those comments you said before, they did white rooms and brung them to them. So, of course, if you participate in the system within the system, it's quicker for you to elevate in the system instead of them to come out the farm or come out and scout and say they're going down to where he say Fat Tuesday and come see us in our own form. A lot of us black comics feel uncomfortable telling their jokes in front of a predominant white audience. Mm-hmm. They're more accustomed to, you know, their own, which they should. Me and myself, I take on the I take on that challenge because I want to let them know that intellectually, funny wise, they can't mess with us. Me on the on us on it. And I can write a joke just as intelligent as you can. And you'll see it. 
what do you think about the the new form of comedy that has has changed with social media? Right. You've got a lot of comics that have found their way, didn't have to go the old school way of the club circuit and the like have become very, very popular. And, you know, uh, again, a number of them have catapulted to to million dollar careers. Now, do you do you see that as just the new way or do you see it as maybe the the foundation isn't what it should be? Well, I don't knock them. I tell them, but they're going to have to eventually, whichever way you do it. You got to come back to the foundation of standing on that stage, holding that mic and capturing the audience attention for whatever contractly time you you was contractually uh, assigned to 30 minutes or 45 minutes, an hour or 10 minutes. I tell uh, social media comics this. It's not how many followers you have. It's how many comedians you can follow. Mm-hmm. If you can't get on that stage and go behind four comedians that just made it on fire, then you are not in this league. You got to be able to follow other comedians and not just be able to put a sketch up and get a lot of people to say they love you on there because that's not a true test because you're not dealing with the consequence of the joke not working. They can't boo you right over the on phone. your <laughs> over the phone on your instagram right you know what i'm right. saying you know what i mean you 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 don't get to edit it and cut a joke when you're doing stand up it has to come out ready ready exactly when you start saying it on stage let me ask you what may be an unfair question i'm going to acknowledge that up front but for you uh over the years who's been the hardest person to follow you know i think of singers who say you don't you don't want this fool opening because it's hard on you. You know, <laughs> they shut it down. Who who for you has been that? Person? I mean, I mean, it's a I mean, it's all opinions. You have you have to be mentally prepared for Arnaz J, Lavelle Crawford, Don DC Carey, Bruce Bruce. These brothers bringing fire, man. You better be ready for any of them. So if you if you're mentally prepared and I I know what there is, I'm it's not hard for any of them on it, but if you don't be ready and understand that they are vulnerable, you can get booed. You can have a long night. <laughs> and ain't nothing like that, Ed, being up there by yourself. <laughs> and don't nobody find you funny, man. That's the worst feeling in the world. Can but you tell us? Arnest J, yeah. He's a wild boy. He's a wild boy. Can you tell a crowd from the minute you walk out there, if they're going to be hard to win over, if they're ready, if can you feel that? Yeah. You can feel it from the first person. You can see what the other comedians did. You tell them, they laughing at that, I'm going to kill. And you see them out there <laughs> struggling, you're like, oh, that's good stuff. Uh-huh. See, that is, that's when you ship into another, another mode for me anyway, another gear. Because a fan only blows when you're hot. So mm-hmm. you got to understand, you know, they fickle. So you have to, like, you know, go right at them. Like, I know what you're here to see me, so don't act like you're not. You might as well laugh because you ain't going to get your money back. Ain't like you got anything else to do. <laughs> you know, those are the mm-hmm. things you say. You know, ain't enough people in here to ruin my career. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to laugh or not. I, I'm going to tell everybody, I had a great show. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned, I saw something that you talked about, Steve Harvey helping you in the beginning learn how to kind of set an act up for stand-up. Who else helped you along the way? 
Well, what he told me was the degree of what jokes you need to do before you do something such a special idea and what's the importance of how thick the joke is. I really don't watch a lot of comedians because I don't write physically, I write mentally. Mm -hmm. So when you write mentally, you have to protect your thought pattern and make sure you don't get contaminated by somebody else's thought and you think you came it up with yourself. So the best way for me to keep to stay sanitized is I don't watch other comics. But again, I, I'm never getting into this. It was just, you know, the best decision that day. So I really like I'm playing with house money until my real purpose came and it never came. Never better job ever came. Quick, let me ask you this. I remember asking um said and DL this. Anything you won't touch? No. Because I know it's not coming mean spirit. If it come in a joke form, it is to be told. It's yeah. how it's told. And is there a time, like I, rem- I remember uh, after 9-11, a lot of people didn't want to joke at all about that. And I, <laughs> I had Paul Mooney on. <laughs> and you know, Paul didn't give a damn. He went True right that. to it, right? Is is do you believe that there can be a a, a time frame, of, you know, when something tragic happens that you got to let some of it blow over? It all depends on the type of the joke. The reason mm-hmm. why Whoopi Goldberg is a big fan of mine because I was the only one that went to Aspen and touched on nine eleven. Did nobody talk to it? And mine's the one I went into it is they said um, Saddam bin Laden is a coward and a terrorist, and what I said is. Um, he's also, a, he, he's a hell of a motivated speaker because you're a bad person if you can get your followers to go kill themselves and you stay in the cave. <laughs> and that's how you hit it from that point on. Mm-hmm. And you just continue on. It's how you say it when it is. Um, it is comedian that we say too soon, too soon. But I haven't, I haven't crossed that bridge yet. Let me take you back to the special, man. When you when you knew it was coming and all things were signed and you were ready, um, any butterflies, any nerves? I mean, you you had to know if I hit this, right, this is going to take me to a different level. But you can't say no. You can't tell a Trump supporter nothing about Trump. Oh, yeah, not my Trump. Mm-mm. They love motherfucking Trump. People ask me all the time, Quake, what kind of woman you looking for in your life? I said, nigga, I'm looking for a woman like a Trump supporter. No matter what she hear about me, that bitch don't believe I heard he got another woman. That's fake news, baby. That's fake news. Don't listen to them hoes. They're the enemy of the state. These ain't jokes. So I was determined. And what I did, I I made one promise to myself. I was going to be me. At the end of the day, I was going to show what it is, who comedian earthquake is. Because if you look at all my peers, they all are just making it off of being who they are. Kevin is Kevin. Chris Rock is Chris Rock. Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle. DL is DL. Steve Harvey is here. They made who they are. So I was like, I'm going to show them who earthquake is. And that's what that's, and it was the mission accomplished. And I, I was going to, I was willing to deal with with the results as long as I show who I was. 
Was it what you wanted? I know often when I have a, a, a high profile interview, you know, there's always the the after, right? You get your reviews, you get, but then you review it yourself, right? And you look at, oh, I wish I had done this, I'd done that. How you feel about it? I feel great about it. Of course, you know, I'm up my hardest critics. There's other things that I left out that it's stuff on it, but it achieved the goal. It's the first one. I'm going to do another one, and it's going to be better than this one. But what it did do, it, it just introduced me to the world, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what I want. My friends always knew this, such as yourself, and now everybody else knows it. So now, you know, now I can do it on bigger scales and even better. What do you want to do, man, um, down the line? You, you, you want movies, you want TV. What is it that, that your roadmap uh, says for you? Well, I'm going to do a national tour. I'm going um, to do an overseas tour. I'm going to do a TV show. And I'm going to do more movies. I just did my first lead in a movie called Bad Written with uh, Donnell Rollins. And um, I'm going to do more movies. And now I'm in a position to do these things. It's about choice now. Mm-hmm. But I just want to make sure I, I'm in a vehicle that highlights who I am. Because, you know, they'll put you in something, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm getting some offers right here. I'm like, come on, man. Right. But you know this Jerry Seinfeld. And this is offer, <laughs> And this is a person who can't, hey, hold all that. So. Well, look, man, I am happy to say that, it. you know, when I called you after, you could say, well, that Negro been calling me before. And you know that I've always thought that you was up front and funny as anybody, man. And I'm just happy the spotlight has found its way and stopped on you, man. Well, thank you for all your prayers and your for everybody was hoping for it to happen. It finally happened. And like always, it's God's time. I wouldn't have preferred it any other way because I'm prepared for it now. Quite good to see you, brother. Always good to see you, my light-skinned brother, you. (laughs) (laughs) Earthquake Special Legendary is on Netflix now. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.